0: You're listening to the Antos Podcast, where we explore the nature of stories in the pursuit of being in truth. I'm Vod. And I'm Matt. And our sentience depends on you. Now cue the intro music.
1: Looking back, we should have been able to see the connection between the myth, alamancy, and the power of the will, at the Will of Ascension. Not only could alamanser's vision pierce the mist, but there was a fact that the mist swirled slightly around the body of a person using any kind of Allomancy. More telling, perhaps, was the fact that when a hemorrhagist used his abilities, it drove the mist away. The closer one came to ruin, the more under his influence, the longer one bore his spikes, the more the mists were repelled. It may seem odd to those reading that this that ATM was part of the body of a god. However, it is necessary to understand that when we say body, we generally mean power. As my mind has expanded, I've come to realize that objects and energy are actually composed of the very same things and can change state from one to another. It makes perfect sense to me that the power of godhood would be manifest within the world in the physical form. Ruin and preservation were not nebulous abstractions. They were integral parts of existence. In a way, every object that existed in the world was composed of their power. Atium, then, was an object that was one-sided. Inside of a, instead of being composed of half-ruin and half-preservation, as, say, a rock would be, Atium was completely of ruin. The pits of hath were created by preservation as a place to hide the, the chunk of ruin's body that he had stolen away during the betrayal and imprisonment. Kelsior didn't truly destroy this place by shattering those crystals, for they would have regrown eventually, in a few hundred years, and continued to deposit Atium, as the place was a natural outlet for Ruin's trapped power. When people burned Atium, then they weren't drawing upon the power of Ruin, which is perhaps why Atium turned people into such efficient killing machines. They didn't use up this power, however, but simply made use of it. Once a nugget of ATM was expended, the power would return to the pits and begin to coalesce again, just as the power at the Well of Ascension would return there again after it had been used. I believe that the mists were searching for someone to become a new host for them. The power needed a consciousness to direct it. In this matter, I am still rather confused. Why would the power be used to dist- create and destroy need a mind to oversee it, and yet, it seems to have only a vague will of its own, tied to its, into the mandate of its abilities. Without a consciousness to direct it, nothing could actually be created or destroyed. It's as if the power of preservation understands that its tendency to reinforce stability is not enough. If nothing changed, nothing could ever come to exist. That makes me wonder who or what, in, what the minds of pr- the preservation and ruin were. Regardless, the mists, the power of preservation, chose someone to become their host long before all this happened. That someone, however, was immediately seized by Ruin and used as his pawn. He must have known that giving her a a disguised hemorrhagic spike, he would keep the mists from investing themselves in her as they wished. The three times she drew upon their power, then, were the three times where her earring had been removed from her body. When she had fought the Lord Ruler, his Alamancy had ripped it free. When fighting Marsh and Fadrik, she had used the earring as a weapon. And at the end, Marsh ripped it out, freeing her and allowing the mists, which were now desperate for her hosts, since preservation's last wisp was gone, to finally pour themselves into her. The Contra people always said they were of preservation, while the Holos and Inquisitors were of ruin. Yet the Contra bore hemorrhagic spikes, just like the others. Was their claim then simple delusion? No, I think not. They were created by the Lord Ruler to be spies. When they said such things, most of us interpreted it as the meaning meaning he planned to use them as spies in his new government, because of their ability to imitate other people. Indeed, they were used for this purpose. But I see something much more grand in their existence. They were the Lord Ruler's double agents, planted with hemolytic spikes, yet trusted, taught bound to pull them free when Ruin tried to seize them. In Ruin's moments of triumph, when he always assumed the Chandra would be on, be his on a whim, the vast majority of them immediately switched sides and left him unable to seize his prize. They were of preservation all along.
0: That is the moment I was talking to you before we started recording about chills again, was the Chandra being double agents. It is so, such a cool moment that the Lord Ruler, because up to this point, Ruin was like, I tricked the Lord Ruler into making me an army. Ooh, and the Lord Ruler, you know, we even saw that. Oh man, the Lord Ruler made these, but was guided by Ruin. So like, eh.
1: Mm-hmm. But it
0: seems like when he made the Chandra, especially when he made them of his friends, right? He made his friends into these things. He did, at least in some way, recognize, okay, Ruin's probably going to be able to do something with these things. And because of that, I'm going to make my closest friends into these things to solve two problems. One, the problem of Pharaoh Kimmy, but two, the big, the bigger problem is when, when Ruin at a crucial point is going to believe he needs to use the Condra for something, they're going to mass and alive themselves, and he's going to be left without this tool. And hopefully that will buy them time. And, you know, it's pretty crazy, but in the next set of chapters after this, we get to kind of see how this is going to play out a bit but let's go ahead and just jump into it so um actually yeah we'll we'll jump into it so 77 we get ellen's point of view and he he was delayed on his way there to Luthadel because the volcanoes are just spraying lava at this point well when they got plugged the lava's not breaking out of the ground because there's no way for them to leave it's no way for it to escape but uh yeah no um he gets to see what Vin did <laughs> to Critic Shaw. And, you know, funny, poetic, Brandon, but, like, Ellen describes it as going, like, it seems like the fist of a god came down and, and destroyed Critic Shaw, which is almost quite literally what happened, right? Um, but we get to see, I like, another, again, more respect on Penrod here, right? We get, Ellen finds Penrod's lifeless body, where he unalived himself, and he wrote into the thing, "I'm sorry, something had taken control of me." You know, your your people went to the terrorist dominance. Uh, you know, like they're they're there, they're safe. And Ellen, being the smart guy, he is looked and went, "That's not written on metal." Hmm. Yep, you know, odds are that you know Penrod did in fact write this, and he was trying to tell me where where my people went. Yeah, because
1: he was uh, like, it doesn't make sense. Why would they go to the terrorist Dominance? So
0: he was like, you know, yeah, this ruin probably altered this, and then he hears a voice on the wind saying, "West, West," and he trusts it, and he heads off to the pits of Hastin. And then we get a quick Vin point of view, where Vin was describing how it took a lot for her. To even get those words for Ellen to hear them, and that's the end of chapter seventy-seven. Chapter seventy-eight, we get Sazed's point of view, and he's in Condra Jail, which we know is not made for people. It is very short. He's a tall man already, and he's super cramped in this in this Condra Jail. But he knows that Vin is the hero. The hero is real, and he has faith in her. She's going to save everybody. So Sazed again. Ugh. Oh my gosh, I nerd out over Pharaoh Kimmy so much. Like, I'm I'm making my own D and D world right now, and I'm trying so hard to not just straight steal Pharaoh Kimmy and just put it into the game system. It's so good. It's also so, so broken.
1: I feel like in D and D it would be so busted.
0: Um, you know, well, no. So here's the thing. Funny enough about that. You know, quick, quick side tangent for the D and D nerds here. Um, no, I don't think it would be because in D and D, Time gets used very quickly. Like, we just, like, most often uh, DMs and players don't use downtime. They don't use that. They kind of just skip. They have long, you know, it's very anime-like in the sense that they go through a massive battle. They're bloodied almost to death, and then they take a nap, and they're good the next day. Like, that's the meme, right? Right. So, to me, Pharaoh Kimmy would encourage the actual downtime of needing to, you know, hey, guys, we can't just jump into the next fight because I have to store up these abilities. And so, like, if you played a game which downtime was was available, it would be super
1: strong. But that's what if I'm saying not... is like you just have to constantly be short resting, or I don't know, there's well, a long rest.
0: I don't know. I haven't messed with the mechanics. Like I said, I'm trying to avoid just stealing it. But uh, anyway, fair, Kimmy. Why did I go off on that tangent? Because Cezid is
1: storing
0: attributes in the metal grates that, that that he's that he's being held in. It he's storing so... his weight he's storing his weight and he's storing speed in the steel lock. Right. And oh my gosh, again, it's just it leads to such an epic moment because he's doing this and then soon is back. And so soon comes and lets him out and the fifth generation's about to come in and like mess them up and says it's like just literally like again, anime style just goes, oh, you got me." and takes a step back onto the grates and gets all of his speed and weight
1: <laughs> and, and he just like goes, to "Nothing town. personal, kid." Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: call an ambulance, but not for me. <laughs> but like, I love how Sazed like Sazed just straight up says it, and to me, like this is why I love his character so much. You know, we talk about how the most probably the most emotional moment I had in 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 born Era One was Sazed holding holding his gate. Mm-hmm. It was crazy, but Sazed goes, you know, I'm no warrior, and I've said that. He's like, I've said that so many times, yet. I've come out alive and having won so many fights that I did not deserve to win. Mm-hmm. And with that, he, he takes on his weight and just literally falls on mm-hmm. one of the Chondra and breaks all the bones so they can't move. And then they come into this fight and, yeah, they easily mop them up with Sazed. Uh, with, with and, yeah, they determined that the first generation was actually in the cells next to Sazed. And they had uh, the second generation had killed all the rest of the prisoners and put them in there. Put them in the other cells to to like just store them there. And so they get them out and Ten Soon goes to buy time for them to reform their bodies, and that's the end of 78. So 79, Vin's point of view, she sees that ugh, I hate Compar, man. I, hate, I him. hate him. Anyway, he's such a She boomer. sees Compar send out a runner with ATM. Send out another conjure with ATM saying, We just need to sell this. You know, we're going to be the rulers of everyone. Look at the ATM storage we have. And Ruin sees this, and Vin's like, you dummy. Because Ruin now knows where his body is because of Compar.
1: Well, so he does he sees the ATM and then he takes control over Compar's body, and that's when he gets it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but pff, big dummy. Anyway. Uh, with that, we
0: get Ellen's point of view, and he arrives at the pits of afsin And Demu and and most of the people from Luthadel are there now. And Demu is using his guards to 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 not only guard the camp, but also to police the camp. And you know, we we learn that his people have been doing very good here. We go back to Sazed's point of view, and they had re- they had come out with the first generation, and the first generation explained everything. But Ruin takes control of Tensuun and starts to kill Sazed with Tensuun. And it's with that, that the first generation say the time of resolution is here and says it passes out. And that's the end of 79. All right. 80. We get Ellen's point of view again. And Damu is reporting to him basically the situation. The food are running out. The coloss, the massive coloss army is running towards the pits of half sin. Hundreds of thousands. Hundreds of thousands. You know we've seen the devastation that twenty thousand coloss did, hundreds of thousands of coloss. That back in the very beginning of the book, the one that Marsh was watching over, that horde of coloss. So, um, and then you know what the worst part about this, just like a kick in the gut, Demu explains what happened with Penrod and Luthadel, and ruined, ruined used Kelsier's plan of a house war again to destroy all of Luthadel. They basically explained how Penrod encouraged the house war and everyone killed themselves, basically. Like 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 fighting each other. So Demu explained, though, that the survivor, that Kelsier appeared to these two guards, and the guards basically saved everyone by getting them organized, preparing everything, and having them flee here. We know that the Kelsier in that case was Tensoon. Um but same outcome, right? Demu and the uh so Ellen informs Demu that him and all the other misfallen soldiers are Alamancers, and they need to spread out the metal and get as many coin shots, lurchers, and all these people together to get ready for a fight because they're gonna need them. We get Sazit's point of view, and he wakes up surrounded by Miswraiths. The Chondra held to their oath. All of the Chondra in that room listened to it and all pulled their spikes out. Which we all we understand is essentially the same as unaliving themselves, right? So that's crazy to me. They held to their oath, but, like every group of people, says it hears. There are the there are the cowards, and the traitors. And we see that most of the second generation, if not all of the second generation and fifth generation, did not pull out their spikes. Kampar is here, and he's leading them. So he quickly, noticing this, he quickly runs over and grabs his bracers and rings, the rings that he he used to hold the gate at the Siege of luthadel And he had stored some backup in them. And he runs over, closes the door, and increases his weight to try to hold the door closed to keep the Chondra from taking the ATM, which, understandably, they're being controlled by Ruin at this point, taking the ATM and basically trying to leave with it. And he just says out, like, listen, he's trying to believe that something's watching over him. So he goes, I need help. I need help. Send help. We get Ellen's point of view. And Ellen keeps hearing his name being called on the wind. And he says, man, it sounds like Vin. And it, it, she flashes an image in his head of essentially the entrance to the Conjure homeland. And he starts going in this direction and he sees it. And he leads he leads his group down and he finds Sazed holding the door. And with that, you know, the door gets knocked open, and the soldiers easily round up the Chandra. Uh I think it even says the Chondra were not used to fighting at all. So the soldiers, like, are easily able to round them up and, and subdue them. And, you know, says it gives, gives uh, Ellen the rundown of what exactly is going on at this point. And, you know, Ellen's like, you know, ATM's not going to feed my people. We're all starving. I don't know what to do. But the sun is really hot which I forgot to mention that in the previous chapters here. When Vin removed the ash of the thing, Ellen's like, the sun burned him on the way he was traveling. And so he's like, the sun's going to kill us. So we need to all hide in the caverns. And chapter 80 here ends with him going, there's only one thing we can do at this point. It's what we've been taught to do this entire time. It's survive. And that's the end of chapter 80. So we are deep in the sand we are we are in the end game
1: this is yeah this is um this is infinity war this isn't end yeah game. the next the, the next chapter at least in the audiobook
0: section is like 50 minutes long it's crazy
1: yeah the it is it's one of the most exciting parts of the Cosmere um the, and, and I'm, yeah. I'm not trying to undersell this episode or undersell these chapters or anything like that but these are like the preamble um i think the big thing to talk
0: about here again chills again is that the chondra had this built into their plan where can you can you imagine that where like being told where it's like i'm i'm already like you know i could just wipe you all out now but i'm not going to i'm going to give you an existence that is arguably at least when first presented a terrible existence like i don't i wouldn't take that deal you know well i mean being you got you got immortality yeah, you get immortality, but you know,
1: I I don't know actually. Did he did it say he explained exactly what they would become? I mean, I think they understood. I think the okay. I think the point was they pretty well understood exactly what the trade-off was. Um like yeah, you're going basic- to have immortality and I mean, it's almost eternal youth. I mean, you talk I about mean- how the first generation's a little up, but
0: Yeah, I mean but here's the, ultimately, they're given this, but there is, he said, there's going to come a point where you're going to have to basically end everything, and you are going to know when that's happening, and I trust you to make that decision. And for, like, to their credit, what, 95%, essentially, with just literally, the first generations ordered it, and 95% blindly went, it's time, I guess, and they did it.
1: Yeah. Which is, which is crazy. Absolutely. Crazy. And the thing is, is like before this, Tensoon was about to kill Saison, you know, was, mm-hmm. you know, very close to. But it was like there was something more inside of him that allowed him to, you know, pull his spikes out. The sheer will.
0: Like he didn't they didn't have as many spikes as the Colossus or the Steel Inquisitors. So they had more ability to to, but to Ten protect Soon themselves did. from it.
1: Tensoon mm-hmm. had four spikes because he took the blessing of potency from Orsir.
0: Yes. One thing I was going to mention about that, though, is, again, sheer will, again, like we said, but also, again, probably close to a blood frenzy, right? He
1: was was getting close to finishing it off. I would say maybe, maybe not, because you could tell, like, even when Ruin took control of them, they still had their minds, right? This Mm -hmm. was a little unique. Like, he, like, unlike the Inquisitors, where, like, their minds seemed to be kind of taken over, um he was basically like had motor control over them it seemed like but didn't really have them even when he had con like he was just like why are you in my head and he's like i'm god mm-hmm. you know and Khan, but Conpar was like still there like witnessing everything and like able to talk and interact it seemed like but like yep. physically it was stuck and um that's the thing it's like this is a little that, interesting that was straight
0: yeah that was straight up 10 soon right like so he was even telling me he goes i can't control my body right
1: and like, this is bad and he was talking to saison so like he had the ability to interact with him still but it, it was in the book it says that it was like years of tradition and training and all this other I'd stuff. Overcome it, Yeah. you know and this is like a muscle memory i always think of it as like um Almost like I think of it as similar to the way Vin beat Zane with ATM, where Mm. she he responded without thinking, essentially like he was just like this is it like I I I've been I've had centuries of dealing with you know getting ready for this moment. No
0: one yeah no one can overcome ATM, so he just went through
1: the motions right, and so I mean like yeah it was like a huge moment and. These weren't the chapters where we discovered, um, you know, because I understand like there wasn't anything with the Alamancers at this point. Nope, but, nope. No, but we have the not sun is going absolutely crazy, and they're mm-hmm. going, and uh, the world is basically close to burning. Essentially, yeah. Like, I mean, it's the
0: it's the it literally it's what Vin did, right? The sun is literally burning up the world right now, or at least burning up the the you know. Whatever the grass and everything. My point
1: is to say that it's like when he says it's hot, it's not like, oh, it's like 120 degrees, you yeah. know, by our standards or 40 Celsius or whatever. Like this is really, really, really being, hot.
0: Being ex- being exposed to the sun for longer than a couple of seconds was giving him, you know, I think it would be categorical categorized by a third degree burn so it was like the bubble like the bubbling up on the skin and
1: stuff i don't know if he necessarily said that but it was really really th- intense he, and I he had he pewter legit.
0: yeah he do no, i think he said that he said it would have he said it would have been way worse if i didn't have pewter right
1: no yeah he definitely yeah. said like if i didn't have pewter like i'd be in, i probably wouldn't have made it um and uh you know it gets to the point where the where uh the uh plants actually do start like catching fire Um, but the whole point is that they realize that this is it, the world is ending. And that's why he's like, you gotta get everyone underground.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep. Man. Um, I'm going to hop over here really fast more to the epigraphs and kind of just talk about those because this really, the set of chapters other than like we get getting to see the resolution play out with the Chandra. A lot of this has just been set up for what's about to go down in our next episode. Right. Looking here at the, at the epigraphs a bit. Um, yeah no like it's really interesting when they mention like i'm glad they explained it that when they say like this is ruins body like they really just meant this is Ruin. this is a set of manifested physical manifestation of ruins power right it isn't literally a body um but to think right ATM was the most powerful why is that it it is ruins body it is the power of a god in well, a we very... say ATM
1: is the most powerful, but there was also the beads that literally give you a mis, make you into a misborn. So, and uh, that can- was, Who?
0: are you like hinting at something? That was preser- <laughs> what could that be? That was yeah.
1: preservation's par- power. That was preservation's body, right?
0: Yeah, that was
1: preservation's metal.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent.
1: Um, so which funny thing? This, right? You, you <laughs> think we should tell people what the name of the the, the metal is because it never it gets mentioned uh, now.
0: I think we should hold off because we are going to have our timeline spoiler where we're going to go into a lot of this. Okay, And you are going to need to come back for that one. That's going to be the first spoiler episode if you're following the books that you're going to be able to come in and actually actually listen to. The timeline to spoilers
1: episode, yeah.
0: The timeline spoilers. So not to be confused, we'll make a note of that just so you all know. At the very beginning of the episode, You know, we are going to say this is timeline spoilers for Mistborn Era 1. That way you know that you can come in because we normally say this is cosmere wide spoilers and if you hear that you need to run don't don't do those yet
1: well that's because we don't we didn't have any books you know set up on the timeline yet so now we have an actual whole era of books that we'll be getting into later on
0: yep but uh yeah no coming through this i think like it is crazy here right we talk about how like um um, with like the connections and everything. These epigraphs in the beginning are getting incredibly long because this is Brandon going like, oh, the book's coming to an end and the, the trilogy's coming to an end. Here's everything. Take it all. Here's every secret I haven't answered up to this point. Learn, 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 and just shoving it shoving it in our faces.
1: Yeah, it's th- this is why we uh, another reason why we always said that we wanted to start with Mistborn was because like we're getting to we're gonna go into endgame here and it's going to a lot of it's going to have a big info dump of like here's a bunch of things on the Cosmere and there are still going to be mysteries left for us um, there are definitely going to be like unanswered pieces of information but it's one of those things where it has one of the most satisfying endings in any series I've ever had where it still left something mm-hmm. out there that I was really I remember after I finished it I was like who is this what was that well you know all this other stuff and, secret history, yeah. <laughs> you were like secret history, secret history, um, and yeah, um, secret history is like you know easily the biggest cosmere info dump that there I of a book I think there is, um. Mm-hmm. But it was like it explains everything. Like it was like why did Vin, you know, why was she chosen from the beginning? Well, she had the absolute perfect setup. You know, he needed uh someone that he could get and, a spike on. Even
0: the epigraphs kind of hinted at it too when it said like he had the perfect setup but also said there's another reason but Ruin didn't really know 100%. And that other reason was because checks and balances was because preservation had chosen Vin.
1: Right. As the
0: the person who was going to take up his power next.
1: And the thing about Vin um, that I almost was going to say was a plot hole but it was actually explained um, was the way the myths would curl around her, right? Mm. She had the curling that happened and you're like, why would she have the curling if she had a hemolytic spike? Well, because it didn't matter if the hemolytic spike wasn't being used. So when it was being used, that's when the mists would repel from her. Um mm. And why was it being used? Well, because there were times when ruin was actively using the actual hemolytic connection that she had. So yep. when she had that, that's when the the myths were cruel, going away from her, and that's why when yep. he gets released, they never like interact with her anymore because he's constantly using that connection. Um, but when she would use Allomancy before and ruin wasn't utilizing that connection, then that's when they would they would you know come around her.
0: Yeah, and another thing too that, that uh, the epigraphs point out is, is they point out everything we said already and how we put it out every time the earring mattered. The one they missed, the one that like they well, I don't think missed, but the one they didn't say directly was when she took up the power at the Well of Ascension, her having to remove it. It, they, yeah. it just straight up points it just straight up points out. When when were the three times she could pull on the mist? Hey, look, if you haven't been paying attention up to this point, the fight with the Lord Ruler, he pushed it out of her ear. What did we do in that in those chapters? I specifically made a point to nonchalantly, but definitely point out, man, he pushed so hard her earring flew out. Yeah. And things like that. And like it was just again, we talked about how this was one of the biggest reveals and we tried our best. Again, when we started this podcast talking, and we wanted to be like a like it all started because I was just trying to shepherd you through the Cosmere. And I was like, Man, I want him to pick up on these things that are really cool, but I don't want to just tell him in such a way that he he that you you're gonna be like, Oh, I saw that, but like you telling me that kind of ruined it because I was able to spot it really quickly. So I would try to like nonchalantly ask you questions that would make you think and then you would make the connections. And that's kind of what we tried to do with this series a lot of times was we knew this earring was a thing. So let's just as nonchalantly as we can, but make sure we talked about it every single time. And the other Choose to get people to think about that. moment.
1: The funny thing is, is that because, you know, you go through the end of Hero of Ages and there's like oh, so-and-so was spiked, Spook Spook was spiked, Quillian was spiked, Finn was spiked. And so now I I remember going through their whole Cosmere being like, are they spiked? Are they spiked? Is 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 this person spiked? Like, oh, they got this. Is it because they're spiked? You know? Um, Yeah. But there's like- The
0: muscles muscles are there for you now. You develop them going through Mistborn. Well, and
1: that's the thing is like, we'll learn about other phenomena of the Cosmere that come up and it's like, Oh my gosh, like, is this from this story? Is it, do they have, this from, you that? know, do they have breaths? Do they have, you know, all these other weird things that like come up, other magic systems that start coming up. And you're like, oh my gosh, like, is that, is that a reference to this? You know, yeah. and the pods are, you could be right. It is it, it and that's read, one of the, great read, things and about this read and find out. Read and find out. All right, um, so I think now is the yeah, time we should just we go conclude Infinity War and we get into the exciting end game of Hero of Ages.
0: Hey everyone, Vod here. Please rate our podcast and follow us for regular episodes Monday through Friday. If you enjoy listening, consider subscribing. We are a very small project, so please support us with likes and comments. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com/ontos. That's patreon.com/ontos. Thanks again, and remember, our sentience depends on you.